when I moved to Michigan 20 years ago, you were superintendent, and you restored a lot of my trust in the church. So thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness over 49 years of leadership and pastoral. Most of all, thank you for the years you have reflected Christ to countless churches, countless church boards, to individuals, to pastors. You've mentored hundreds and hundreds of people. You've influenced and led to Christ thousands. So thank you. It was 10 years ago this month that you took me to lunch. El Potrero. You probably guess what the gift card will be. <laughs> you asked me if I would consider serving as district secretary, and I said yes. And you saw something in me that nobody else saw. So I want to thank you for that. Just as a personal liberty to bring greetings from our district, thank you for your years of service, but personally, thank you for your investment in me. Thank you for your investment in my family. I mean, you knew my wife's family before I did. So thank you. We love you. We appreciate both of you. Thanks for your faithfulness. Well, Stephen, Marilyn, will you join me up here? We are thankful for, certainly for the Anthonys. Um, I have the distinction of being the very first pastor that he placed in a church when he was elected district superintendent. And then when he retired, they asked him to be the interim pastor here and to lead the search for this church. And so I was the last pastor he placed in a church. I like to tell him I'm his alpha and omega, but... <laughs> He doesn't like to think of it. He, he pastored uh, a metropolitan church where I also pastored. He pastored the Richfield Church of the Nazarene where I also pastored. So we have many of those things in common. And Stephen, Marilyn, you have been a blessing to this church. And, and we, can't, uh, we can't say thank you enough. I can't say thank you enough as for your friendship. And let me just say uh, publicly again, I've told this to others. Dr. Anthony has had my back on numerous occasions, and he has been a friend and a blessing. I'm so very, very grateful for him and who he is and what he's done. And so we wanted to say thank you, and we didn't know exactly how to say thank you. We say a little thank you in, in this envelope, which I'll give to Marilyn, but, but the... <laughs> The other thank you is uh, we tried to think of what would be appropriate. And, you know, we're building Central Park. Uh, hopefully this summer we'll get a lot more of it built, a playground and a, and a pavilion. And so we thought the appropriate thing would be to name it the Anthony Pavilion oh, and, and to dedicate it. He has left a mark on this church that goes far beyond a pavilion. Um, he was here when the church burned to the ground, and he was here when your pastor died on the mission field, and he's been with us on staff for the last nine years. And so this is just a small way of saying thank you. I'll let you see it, but you've got to give it back so we can put it on the okay. pavilion. 
But it does say, in recognition of their 49 years of faithful service to the Lord and to Central Church and to the churches of the Eastern Michigan District Church of the Nazarene. We're thankful for the Anthonys. Would you thank them again before Dr. Anthony brings the morning message? can I say? Thank you. Thank you for this recognition today, for the kind words of Dr. Kitsko and Dr. Bowling, for all of uh, the people that we've been friends with over the years. I think there's someone here from every church we pastored, people we worked with on the district, our family. What a great day. Can you believe it? Today is Steve and Marilyn Anthony Day. (laughs) I'm glad that the pastor and the church board included Marilyn. Because without her love and support down through the years, I never would have made it. I couldn't have chosen a better pastor's wife. Love you, Marilyn. I'd also like to recognize today our two daughters, Cindy and Sherry, who are here. They sacrificed, as all pastor's kids do, a lot growing up because their dad was a pastor. I remember our daughter Sherry, when she was still able to ride in the buggy at the grocery store, Marilyn was going through the checkout, and the checkout lady said to her, what does your daddy do? And she said, he prays with strangers. (laughs) God's blessed our girls with good Christian husbands and wonderful kids. I hope today isn't like the day that Sheriff Deputy Joshua Gallardo received when he was given the Officer of the Month Award in Brevard County, Florida. He had just been presented with the award and sat down when one of the city commissioners called him back to the front and said, you probably don't remember me, but you're the police officer who falsely arrested me four years ago. You lied on the police report. I believe you're a rogue police officer, you're a bad police officer, and you don't deserve to be here. Well, I can tell you with all assurance that I don't deserve to be here today because it's never been about me, but it's always been about Jesus. He is the one that called me. He prepared me. He guided me. His strength, he strengthened me and hopefully has used me to reach a number of people with the good news of Jesus Christ. As I was preparing for today, God kept taking me back to September of 1973 when on a Sunday evening I stood before the congregation of the Williams Lake Church of the Nazarene and delivered my very first message. That night I used the story of Abraham being told to sacrifice his son Isaac. You know the story, it's found in Genesis 22. 
Abraham and Sarah had been promised in their old age that they would have a son. Isaac was born, and he was their pride and joy. My message of 73 centered on the words of Abraham as God uh, directed him to take Isaac uh, years later to Moriah and offer him as a burnt sacrifice. Abraham uttered just three simple words that God called when God called him to that task. He said, here I am. My message that says September Sunday evening was simply that I had heard the voice of God calling me to ministry and my willingness to do that by saying, here I am. You see, God had been working on my heart for nine months. I worked for Michigan Bell Telephone. I drove uh, 45 minutes every day to the Detroit area from Clarkston. And uh, God and I argued. I argued, God listened. I said, Lord, I don't have any education. We just built a brand new house. We had our first baby. I've got a good job, and I didn't marry a, my wife didn't marry a preacher. If you can overcome all of that, here I am. Little did I know, nine months later, I was Sunday school superintendent, and the pastor called me into his office one Sunday morning and said, you know, our youth pastor resigned, and my son was going to come and be the youth pastor, but he said, God won't let him, and I've been praying, and God, I know that you're not called to ministry, uh, but God told me to ask you this, and if you, so when you tell me no, I'll understand. And he said, I know you just built a house, I know you have a good job, I know you have just a baby, and, and so when you tell me no, I, I said, just tell me, Pastor Ricky, what God told you. He told me, he wants you to be on staff here as our youth pastor. I said, I'm not going to tell you no. But I said, Pastor Ricky, would you do me a favor? I said, if God can talk to me and he can talk to you, I have all confidence that he can talk to Marilyn. <laughs> so please don't tell anybody about our conversation. Don't even tell your wife. Let's just pray. It was that next Wednesday evening, following our conversation on Sunday, that Marilyn and I were on our way home from Wednesday night church. The book uh, by Hal Lindsey had just come out, The Late Great Planet Earth, and that was our study on Wednesday night. And as we made our way up the road, uh, I, I said to Marilyn, what do you think about that book? She says, very interesting, and I think Jesus is coming again soon. And I said, so do I. And then I wasn't prepared for what she said. She says, and I think he wants us in full-time ministry. I said, well, why would you say something like that? She said, I thought she was going to say the pastor had talked to her. No. She said, the other night I had a dream. And we were living in that house that they have for the youth pastor. And she said, I was standing at the window, at the sink, looking out the window, doing dishes. And I was happier than I've ever been in my entire life. Now, if you know my wife and doing dishes and happy, they just don't go together. <laughs> 
And I said, well, tell me about that house. What, uh, you've, you've been there. She said, I've never been there. I haven't even seen it from the outside. She said, I said, describe it to me. And she described it perfectly, room by room. Well, she wasn't prepared for what I was going to tell her next. But we said, here we are. Just like Abraham, I didn't have a clue of what God would be uh, asking me to do. What it came to mean was quitting my good job with Michigan Bell Telephone and a few months later selling the house that we had just built and that Marilyn had designed. It meant uprooting our family from the area we grew up in and moving across the country to go back to college at the age of 26. It meant working a full-time job and going to school nights and studying late into the evening just to prepare myself for when I said, here I am. But God's voice was so clear to me that I could not back up on my answer of here I am. That first message centered on here I am, ready to do what you asked me to do. But then comes the time when you have to carry through on what God asked you to do. I remember Dr. Bowling, our senior year at Nazarene Bible College. They used to put a map of the United States and Canada on the wall. And when the seniors would get a call to a church, they'd put their picture up there and put a string to the location where they were going. I had, was, hadn't received a call yet, but I was standing there next to a fellow student looking at that map. And that student turned to me and says, Steve, where do you want to go when you graduate? My reply was simple. I'll go wherever God wants to send me except I won't go to Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> you probably guessed it. I was called to the one, of, one of the last Nazarene churches in the city of Detroit that still had a white-skinned pastor. Our family lived there for two years, and we pastored some of the finest folks that you'll ever meet. I'm so glad that I heard the voice of the God calling me to that congregation and I got to say again, here I am. Now, I have told the Lord ever since, I will not go to Hawaii. I will not go to Hawaii. <laughs> from, from Williams Lake to Nazarene Bible College to Detroit Grace to Metropolitan Church in Roseville to Richfield Church just north of here to the superintendency and finally to Flint Central Church. I have never regretted saying, here I am. When I stepped away from being superintendent, I didn't have a clue what God had in store for the next chapter of my ministry. I could not have asked for a better place to serve than right here. Pastor Prince, you and the church board and you, the congregation, have been so gracious to Marilyn and me we love it here and plan to still worship here when the sun is shining and the snow is not flying. <laughs> Abraham had taken his son. Is that telling me I'm done? <laughs> Abraham had taken his son, some wood, some rope to tie Isaac down with a pot of burning coals for the fire, and a knife to slay his son. 
The son asked his father, Abraham, he said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham's answer that day was one of faith. He said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. You see, he still thought he was going to sacrifice his son. He had the knife raised and ready to plunge into, the, into his son Isaac when the angel called out and shouted his name not once but twice. He said, Abraham, Abraham. He had to get his attention. And again, Abraham's reply was, here I am. What he was saying is, here I am, Lord, finishing what you asked me to do. I find it interesting that Abraham was not only willing to give up the thing that he loved most in life, his son, but he was so focused on doing it that the angel had to shout his name twice to get his attention and stop him from sacrificing his son. Abraham thought his legacy was about to die, but because he was willing to do what God told him, he was blessed, and people in not only Israel, but all over the globe have been blessed and call Abraham their father. Abraham was right, and God did provide. The story ends with these words. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught in a, in, by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. Today, Marilyn and I finished 49 years of active ministry. I remember well walking into my boss's office at Michigan Bell and giving him my two weeks notice. He asked me what I was going to do, and I shared with him what God had called me to do. Frank was a good Catholic fellow, and he made this observation, asked a question that I only had one answer for. He said, you just built a house, you have a new baby. He said, Steve, how are you going to eat? Well, I want to tell you... Forty-nine years later, I can echo those words of Abraham, God will provide. We didn't have a clue, but God knew. The story of Abraham and Isaac is a shadow of what God the Father did by having his son sacrificed on that wooden cross that Jesus himself had to carry, just like Isaac. But unlike Abraham, God did not stop the sacrifice. Jesus himself said he could have called a legion of angels, but was willing to lay down his life. He willingly, God willingly gave what he loved the most so that you and I might have eternal life. He provided for us the perfect lamb. I stand here today with the words of God still echoing in my ears. 
And if I had it to do over, all over again, I would gladly say, here I am. Today, as I complete this leg of God's call, I just believe he is still in the business of calling people to his ministry. In just a moment, Joel's coming, and I'm going to come and stand here at the front. And if you have heard God calling your name, maybe it's been in the quietness of your dorm room Orpheus. Maybe you're a young adult. Maybe you're middle-aged or even a senior. I'm going to come and stand here at the front. As I complete this leg of my journey of saying, here I am, I want to invite you to come, if you've heard that call, and say with me as I finish, here I am, Lord, I'd like to start. I don't believe it's an accident of scheduling that Orpheus is here today. Most of them don't know me. And some years from now, I'll say there was some old man up there speaking the day that Orpheus went to Flint Central Church. But maybe you've heard the voice of God say, I want you. And you'd say, here I am. In a few moments, Orpheus is going, while we gather here at the front, Orpheus is going to ring this sanctuary and pray or sing our benediction. Today is a day I finish. But I believe for some of you, it's a day that you start. I don't have all the answers for you. I didn't have a clue 49 years ago. But I can say confidently with Abraham, God will provide.